0: Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Lawmakers and experts are skeptical of President Biden's new plan to bring down prices at the pump. Why do they say a gas tax holiday wouldn't do much? A bipartisan gun control bill is expected to pass in the Senate this week, but not everyone is praising the rush to vote the package through. Find out what senators are saying. The police chief for the Uvalde, Texas, school district was put on leave. He's facing criticism for the way he handled the school shooting in May that left 21 dead. Bad guys, people on a terror watch list entering the U.S. at an increasing rate. Questions linger. How many? Why are more coming now? We hear some answers from a U.S. representative and veteran law enforcement officer. President Biden's latest idea to bring relief at the pump is a federal gas tax holiday. But most analysts say it wouldn't save you much money, and it also faces an uphill battle in Congress. NTD's Jessica Beatty has the story.
1: Lawmakers are under pressure to bring relief at the pump. The president wants a reluctant Congress to pass a three-month federal gas tax holiday.
2: We can bring down the price of gas and give families just a little bit of relief.
1: The federal tax is only a small slice of what consumers are paying at the pump. 18 cents per gallon of regular gas and 24 cents per gallon of diesel. The problem is any significant price drop would depend on...
2: If we could get states to join and if oil companies and refineries to pass on those cost savings to consumers.
1: So they wouldn't have to pay the 18 cents a gallon tax. But we have now evidence to think that the oil companies would pass that on to the consumer. Biden's also asking oil refining companies to increase their capacity. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm is meeting with energy companies Thursday to see what else can be done. Obviously, they're
0: making a huge amount of profits. It's not about funding, but perhaps there is something that they need, some additional um, help with identifying a supply chain
3: issue. We do, I just don't know. So we'll see.
1: Biden's federal gas tax holiday faces an uphill battle in Congress. Lawmakers must approve the measure. Some Democrats are voicing concerns and Republicans are against it.
4: What the administration, of course, is coming up with is yet another gimmick, uh, another Band-Aid, and something they know is dead on arrival up here in Congress.
1: While the White House blames low fuel supplies on the pandemic slowdown and Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Republicans blame Biden's policies. Senator John Barrasso called on Biden to make it easier to increase domestic energy production
4: allow oil and gas exploration on federal lands, put out the permits so that we could do more energy infrastructure construction. It is time, Mr. President, to stop the gimmicks and unleash American energy.
1: The strong lawmaker opposition to Biden's gas tax suspension makes it unlikely to pass Congress. Jessica Beatty, NTD News.
0: And there's more skepticism over President Biden's call for a federal gas tax holiday in response to record high gas prices. Drivers and experts alike are casting doubt over whether this will have a big enough impact. Here are the details.
5: President Biden on Wednesday called on Congress to suspend the federal gasoline tax for three months to combat record prices. Analyst Stephen Shork, principal and co-founder of the Shork Group, said the measure would have little effect yet another gimmick uh, being offered by a president who is clearly out of his depths when it comes to addressing the long-term structural imbalance between supply and demand in the energy markets. This is just one of a number of gimmicks. We've had numerous releases of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which once again just dumps oil on the short-term market, does not address the long-term imbalance. The federal tax on gasoline is around 18 cents per gallon. Shork says it wouldn't do much because we are already seeing gas prices at around $5 a gallon. Even without the federal gas tax, the cost per gallon is higher than what we had before the Memorial Day holiday. The national average state tax on gasoline is 57 cents a gallon. So far greater than the 18 cents that the the feds take. So if the states enacted a, a tax holiday, taking on average 57 cents. That is, and that would have a meaningful impact. But once again, all that would do is juice demand here in the short term, creating greater headaches down the road. The vice chairman of S&P Global agrees. And I think uh, if it does pass,
6: uh, it will come and go and won't really have much impact except um, in terms of symbolically and in terms of,
5: of headlines. And how are drivers reacting to the plan? Do they expect the tax holiday to lower gas prices? And what do they think caused the high prices now? In my opinion,
7: it's the, the policies that are in place right now from the, the liberal side. You know, We were pretty much energy independent before.
1: I'm kind of a pessimist when it comes to presidential uh, new bills and stuff like that. So if it actually is in effect, that will be cool. But I have low expectations in general, So especially with Biden.
5: Biden himself has acknowledged that suspending the federal tax was not enough. He also urged states to temporarily suspend their fuel taxes. Some states, such as New York and Connecticut, have already done so.
0: The bipartisan gun control bill could pass the Senate this week. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell defended the package on Wednesday. He says it can make horrific incidents less likely while protecting the rights of law-abiding gun owners. Entities Jeremy Sandberg has more.
2: McConnell says Democrats were to blame for failed gun control negotiations in the past, but this time is different.
5: The Democrats came our way and agreed to advance some common-sense solutions without rolling back rights for law-abiding citizens. The result is a product I'm proud to support.
2: A bipartisan group of senators led by John Cornyn and Chris Murphy worked together to create a bill that could overcome the 60-vote filibuster threshold in the Senate. The bill would expand mental health and school safety resources and encourage states to implement red flag laws with more funding. It would also require strict background checks and longer waiting periods for those under the age of 21, giving systems more time and access to search through juvenile criminal and mental health records. This bill starts putting money in schools and mental health counseling. That is part of the equation. It's guns, but it's also mental health. It's the same thing. It's the same issue. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says the bill is on the brink of passing the Senate.
4: It's my intention to make sure this Senate bill passes before the end of the week. The 80-page bill cleared
2: an initial procedural vote in the Senate on Tuesday by 64 to 34 with 14 Republicans joining 48 Democrats and two allied independents in voting yes to advance it. Senator Amy Klobuchar praised aspects of the bill and says that even though it doesn't do everything she would like it to, it can make it harder for criminals to obtain guns and save
3: lives. STRAW purchases, so many criminals go out there and get guns on behalf of someone else that's banned from getting a gun red flag law funding, mental health funding as you just...
2: Senator Rand Paul says he will put forward amendments to the bill to address what he sees as constitutional deficiencies around red flag laws. Paul took issue with the speed of the legislation, saying there doesn't appear to be a willingness or time provided to read, understand, debate or amend this bill. He also disagreed with funds being prohibited from use for firearms or firearms training for school personnel. Senator Josh Hawley also criticized the haste of voting on the bill, saying, we are voting to move on a bill negotiated entirely behind closed doors, released only an hour ago, that no one has had time to fully read. If the bill passes the Senate, passage in the Democratic-led House could quickly follow. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
0: The Supreme Court has struck down a New York gun law, which will make it easier for people across the U.S. to carry handguns. The New York law required residents to have proper cause to get a license to carry a concealed handgun outside the home. The law has been in place for more than half a century, and about a half dozen other states have similar laws. But in a 6-3 ruling Thursday, the court said the law violates the Constitution. The opinion changes the framework that lower courts will use going forward on other gun restrictions, possibly including proposals currently before Congress if they eventually become law. The Uvalde school district police chief has been placed on administrative leave by the district and could lose his position on the city council. He has come under criticism for the police response to the Uvalde school massacre. At
5: approximately
8: The police chief in Uvalde, Texas, who delayed as a mass shooter went on a rampage at Robb Elementary School, has been placed on administrative leave. 19 children and two teachers were killed in the May 24th attack. Pete Arredondo, chief of police for the Uvalde School District, was in charge of the massive multi-agency police response. He's been criticized for how long it took, more than one hour, for police to launch an assault on the shooter. The director of the Texas Department of Public Safety called the delay, quote, a terrible decision. And on Wednesday, the school superintendent announced that Arredondo would be replaced by a lieutenant. Arredondo has defended his actions. He told the Texas Tribune that he did not consider himself incident commander at the scene and did not order police to hold back. His lawyer was quoted as saying that another of the local, state or federal agencies that arrived on scene should have taken over command. Arredondo also told the newspaper that it took officers more than an hour to find a key to unlock the door to the classroom where the shooter was. That's a different story to what the public safety chief told the Texas Senate hearing this week. Stephen McCross said not only was the door not locked, but there was also no evidence that officers had checked to see whether it was secured.
0: The sentencing trial for Parkland school shooter Nicholas Cruz is set to start July 6th that's according to court documents. A jury has not yet been seated, but once selected, jurors will reportedly hear from nearly 2,000 witnesses. They will then decide whether to recommend the death penalty or to send Cruz to prison for life. Cruz pleaded guilty to the 2018 shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, where 17 people were shot and killed. During an unprecedented surge in illegal immigration, more suspected terrorists are being apprehended at the U.S. southern border. We break down the numbers for you and get a perspective from a lawmaker and decorated law enforcement officer. Today, we hear from U.S. Representative Clay Higgins from Louisiana. Thank you for making the time today, Congressman.
9: Yes, sir. Good morning to you.
0: Good morning to you as well. And now Border Patrol agents, they have captured 50 people who were on the FBI's terror watch list since last October to the end of May. That number was only 15 in fiscal year 2021, which included several months under the Trump administration. What does this suggest about border security and policy?
9: Well, known and suspected terrorists as a component of the uh, active running criminals that uh, that aggressively evade uh, interaction with with law enforcement at the border, referred to as gotaways in our in our numbers and in the common language of the border patrol, known and suspected terrorists. Uh, the the percentage of the of the numbers of the of the men that actually escape uh, is is a best guess and. We try to use conservative numbers the, amongst the law enforcement personnel. There's no way to really verify these numbers, so it's best to use conservative numbers. But the administration, since the Biden has been in office, has used uh, absurd numbers that, that some of us believe are very low. It, and last year, towards the end of last year, I had estimated that, that we we had lost uh, about 250 KSTs known as suspected terrorists. So the total numbers now that we're told could serve that about 700,000 uh, gotaways are suspected to have crossed into America. I think that's a low number, but just using that number for the, for the sake of uh, estimation for known and suspected terrorists, we uh, a common number is 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 one per thousand. So the, you know you would suspect that a reasonable man uh, would surmise that we have 700 known and suspected terrorists in our country since crossed into our country since the, the Biden administration has been in office. That would include last year's numbers as well as this year's numbers thus far.
0: And certainly, these are very dangerous people. Now, Congressman, I want to address just a simple logic issue. Maybe you can clear this up. If you're saying that the number of terrorists encountered at the border is because of less manpower, wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that mean that there are less border patrol agents out there apprehending these terrorists? Wouldn't you think that there would be less in that case? Or is it that these terrorists know that there are less obstacles, and that's why more are coming?
9: Exactly. This is why we. The numbers that I'm giving are, are are very reasonable and actually conservative numbers. The the Border Patrol, the entire law enforcement team, and again, this has impacted local and state law enforcement as well, based upon the federal mission, which is your primary law enforcement uh, jurisdictional authority across our southern border. Our sovereign borders constitutionally are to be protected by the federal government. But the the federal law enforcement men and women work very closely with state and local law enforcement. And that entire mission parameter has been shifted under Biden administration policies, forcing the law enforcement professionals who are tasked with securing our border, they've been forced into a role of processing incoming illegal aliens into the uh into the asylum uh application system
0: u.s representative clay higgins from louisiana thank you so much for sharing your insight on this
9: thank you sir
0: coming up tomorrow marks the one-year anniversary of the partial collapse of the champlain tower south building in surfside florida 98 people died but many families say they haven't gotten closure And thousands of beaches and pools are missing lifeguards because of a severe shortage this summer. Find out what cities are doing to cope right after this short break. Three more Operation Fly Formula missions are set to be conducted this weekend. The largest is a truck convoy of Gerber Formula coming from Mexico. That alone will bring one million pounds of formula into the U.S., The White House also says Bub's formula is coming from Australia and Nestle formula is coming from Germany. After this weekend, the equivalent of nearly 19 million 8-ounce bottles will have been imported into the U.S. Tomorrow will mark one year since the partial collapse of the Champlain Towers South Building in Surfside, Florida. The accident killed 98 people. The causes of the collapse are still under investigation by the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Many families say they have yet to get closure. NTD's Andrew Thomas reports.
7: 97 victims were killed outright when the building crumbled in the early hours of June 24th, 2021, as residents slept. One victim died in the hospital. 26-year-old attorney Nicole Langsfield was one of the 98 that died. Her husband, Louis Sandovic, was also killed. Nicole's brother Martin Langsfield has been an advocate for justice in finding those who should be held accountable for overseeing the building code.
0: Going back one year, we got a news notification from a media outlet saying that a building collapsed on Collins Avenue. It had no names, it had nothing, but my mother had a mother's instinct
3: that something was wrong with her daughter.
7: Alongside Martin was his father, Pablo Langsfield.
3: Nicole was a light. She was our first child and we
0: give everything Everything to her. Every time she went into a room, she got a
3: smile. She got a
0: beautiful karma. She got friends everywhere. Her phone
3: never stopped. She,
0: like, she was a piece of art. She was
7: beautiful. A year later, the family says they get the majority of their information from the media, and that's how they've found out about what is happening with the investigation. Martin Langsfield has been vocal to many outlets about getting more information to the families. Pablo Langsfield spoke about how his daughter was a successful lawyer and always sought justice.
10: Since she was five, she wanted justice. She was five. She became a very good lawyer to seek justice, and this is what we want.
7: They are honoring her by doing the same, seeking answers and justice, so another family doesn't have to go through the same ordeal. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: More than five decades after Diane Cusick's body was discovered in Long Island, New York, authorities have linked her death to the so-called torso killer. The suspect, Richard Cottingham, is believed to be one of America's most prolific serial killers.
3: It wasn't until 2021, because of the advancements in DNA evidence, that we were able to retest some of the evidence that we had found in that 1968 uh, murder. And when we retested it, we came up with a DNA sample. When we uploaded it to the National Data Bank, we got a hit telling us that it was Richard Cottingham. Um, he is currently incarcerated in a prison in New Jersey.
0: He was arraigned Wednesday on a second-degree murder charge in Cusick's 1968 killing in Nassau County. From a hospital bed in New Jersey, Cottingham pleaded not guilty.
3: He is a violent predator. and. No matter how he looks today in a hospital bed, um, he was not always a feeble um, older man. He was a young 22-year-old when he committed the murder of Miss Cusack and when he committed many other murders. Um, He was strong, stronger than these women were.
0: Richard Cottingham has already serving a life sentence for other killings. While he was claimed he was responsible for up to 100 homicides, authorities have only officially linked him to a dozen so far. Police body camera video captured the moment when a woman fainted and fell off a subway platform and a police officer came to her rescue. The footage shows the woman walking on the platform and suddenly collapsing. One police officer jumped onto the tracks after she fell. They lifted her up with the other officer pulling the unconscious passenger onto the platform. The incident happened on Monday morning at the 95th Street station in the Bay Ridge neighborhood of Brooklyn. The officers from NYPD 68th Precinct were on their daily transit inspection when the passenger suffered a medical episode. The department tweeting that she fell onto the tracks just minutes before a train rolled into the station. What would you do if you saw someone drowning and there wasn't a single lifeguard on duty for miles? Experts say this is a reality for thousands of beaches and pools because of a critical lifeguard shortage nationwide. Why is this and what's being done to keep families safe coast to coast? To our
9: south from where we're standing, The next lifeguard tower is approximately 30 miles from here.
6: For Wyatt Werneth, it's a desperate shortage which could put lives at risk. He served as a lifeguard in Cocoa Beach, Florida for decades, and he tells us families at lakes, pools, and beaches may now be on their own. We're not able to protect the lives and souls that come to the beaches or the water parks or the ocean flow. Lake open waters. Experts say there's a critical lifeguard shortage across America. New York City just canceled all of its swim programs. Milwaukee County has fewer than half its pools open right now. All hands on deck. No days off. Working, working, working. Hours, hours. Jesse Hernandez is on duty here in Commerce, California, where there aren't enough lifeguards even in Southern California. As for why up to a third of US public pools could reduce their hours or close altogether this summer, some experts say interest in lifeguarding was already dropping when the COVID pandemic hit. It made the situation even more dire with canceled trainings and closed pools. Restaurant and retail jobs also often pay higher for less risk. Good to get lifeguards back, cities are handing out bonuses. In Phoenix, it's an extra $2,500, and here in Commerce, the city trains its smallest swimmers, as young as eight, on the water polo team to join the lifeguard pipeline.
5: So what we do is develop them for ten years, and then when they graduate high school, we give them an opportunity to come back into the pool and be lifeguards.
8: Feels awesome to do a job like that, to make, to know that you're here, just in case somebody needs their life saved or you need to jump in a, to rescue
0: somebody. Feels good to do that. American artistic swimmer Anita Alvarez was in danger of drowning during the World Championships in Budapest. She lost consciousness in the pool before being rescued by her coach. Her coach, Andrea Fuentes, is a four-time Olympic medalist in synchronized swimming. She jumped into the pool after she saw Alvarez sink to the bottom at the end of her routine. She was given medical attention beside the pool before being taken away on a stretcher. It was the second time Fuentes rescued Alvarez. During an Olympic qualification event last year, she jumped into the pool and helped pull Alvarez to safety. Fuentes told a Spanish newspaper that she jumped into the water because she saw that nobody else was jumping in. She said it was a good scare, but that Alvarez is fine and has to rest. In a statement, Fuentes said 25-year-old Alvarez would be assessed by doctors before a decision was made on her participation in Friday's team event. A swimmer was seriously injured in a shark attack on the central California coast on Wednesday. Police say the attack occurred mid-morning at Lover's Point Beach in Pacific Grove. The swimmer suffered significant injuries from the shark bite and was taken to Natividad Hospital. The victim's identity was not immediately released. Firefighters deployed a drone to search for the shark, but there were no immediate sightings. Police said the beach at Lover's Point will remain closed until Saturday. Pacific Grove is on the south end of Monterey Bay, about 85 miles south of San Francisco. The official summer travel season is underway, and it's off to a rocky start. Since the first official day of summer on Tuesday, more than 1,000 U.S. flights have been canceled. In addition, the tracking website FlightAware reports more than 3,400 flights have been significantly delayed. The FAA is blaming thunderstorms in the New York and D.C. metro areas, one in every seven flights departing Newark and LaGuardia airports in Metro New York were canceled. It was a similar story for D.C. metro airports including Reagan National, Dulles, and Baltimore. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg had asked airlines to improve their reliability this summer, but weather is one factor that the airlines can't control. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. Just ahead, Lithuania says it's prepared if Russia decides to shut off power to the country in retaliation for Lithuania's blocking shipments to a Russian territory. And Hungary lowers the price of gasoline at the pump for citizens and applies a tax to certain industries. The policies prove controversial with the EU and some economists. Stay tuned for more right after this short break. Lithuania will be prepared if Russia disconnects it from the regional power grid in retaliation for blocking rail shipments to a Russian territory. Lithuania's president says no military confrontation is expected.
11: Russia is enraged by Lithuania's move to block rail shipments of some goods to its Kaliningrad exclave. Now Europe awaits Russia's response. But Lithuania says it's ready should Moscow decide to switch off the flow of electricity. Last year it installed new gear on its power link to Poland for just such an eventuality. That should mean it can switch quickly to supplies from continental Europe. Speaking to Reuters, Lithuanian President Gitanas Naoseida said he was expecting full backing from Brussels. And it would be very good that European Commission explains the uh, content of the sanctions to the Russian authorities and probably it will remove some tensions which are arising right now. Kaliningrad is a Russian territory sandwiched between Poland and Lithuania. It depends on rail links via Lithuania for many supplies. But the import of steel and other ferrous metals has been blocked since Saturday with more goods to be added to the ban. Russia has reacted furiously, saying all citizens of the Baltic state would feel its response it hasn't yet spelled out what that will mean.
0: Rising inflation in Hungary has prompted the country's prime minister to lower prices at the gas pump. The government is also applying a tax to what it calls the extra profits of certain industries. The policies are proving controversial with the EU and some economists. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details.
7: The recent steps by Hungary's nationalist government are being met with opposition by some affected companies. They're also threatening a renewed standoff between Budapest and the European Union. Prime Minister Viktor Orban has imposed official price caps on fuel and various food products and levied special taxes on several commercial sectors.
3: An extraordinary situation calls for extraordinary measures. And in such cases, deviations from the general rules are allowed and even obligatory. There is no other way to protect the interests of the Hungarian people.
7: While some of these policies favor Hungarian consumers, multinational and domestic companies are voicing anger over it. They say the policy is damaging their bottom lines and competitiveness. The EU is also questioning whether the policies comply with its rules. Drivers with foreign license plates pay market prices for fuel at Hungarian gas stations. The EU is threatening legal action, calling the policy discriminatory.
11: I mean uh, to improve or to reduce the burden uh, it is uh, definitely not, uh, the, the, the reasonable approach of that is, is definitely not a price cap.
7: The Hungarian government also announced in May that it would impose windfall taxes on several industries, including banking, insurance, and air travel through 2023. While some targeted industries are taking in higher than usual profits, most of the companies being hit with the new taxes are not
11: we can talk about uh, windfall tax in case of the oil industry Uh, we can talk about uh, in a limited manner but still we can talk a little bit about a windfall gain and uh, consequently a windfall tax in the banking industry right now apart from these two sectors uh, no one can see any windfall
7: several commercial airlines agree CEO of Ireland-based budget carrier Ryanair, Michael O'Leary, is describing the tax as highway robbery. Ryanair say they'll add around $10 to each ticket to cover the costs of the new tax. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: A government watchdog says the State Department and the U.S. Agency for International Development are withholding information on last year's withdrawal from Afghanistan. According to a letter from the watchdog's director, the information has been required for multiple audits mandated by Congress. The watchdog says the departments have not shared the information despite multiple requests, and they are legally required to do so. The watchdog called the situation unprecedented. An interim report from the watchdog published last month criticized the Biden and Trump administration's policy in Afghanistan. It said the U.S. decision to leave the country was the driving factor behind the swift collapse of the Afghan military. And as soon as the U.S. fully withdrew, the Taliban swept across the country with stunning speed last summer. The Pentagon is collaborating with Elon Musk's company SpaceX. They are investigating the possibility of using the company's rockets to drop troops and equipment into global flashpoints. According to a partially redacted research agreement originally obtained by The Intercept, the military's work with the private space company covers a wide range of projects. One is a rocket-based quick-reaction force. It would place troops or equipment anywhere in the world on short notice on a fully reusable launch vehicle. One potential use would be getting U.S. troops to an African military base in a fraction of the time it now takes. The concept is an idea the military has held for decades. In 1964, the proposed Ithacus project presented a rocket-powered troop transport. The military is currently limited to about 600 miles per hour for troop and cargo transport. And just ahead, Israel's foreign minister will be taking over as interim prime minister next week. The country is moving closer to another parliamentary election. Two Airbus A350s in Doha are among 23 grounded A350s in the middle of a $1 billion London court battle over whether the damage represents a potential safety risk. It's something Airbus strongly denies. Find out more right here on NTD News. Israel is one step closer to dissolving its parliament and holding a new election. Foreign Minister Yair Lapid will become the interim prime minister during the transition period. Who is he and what are some of his political views? Let's take a look. Israeli
4: lawmakers on Wednesday voted unanimously in a preliminary reading of a bill that would dissolve parliament. The bill is expected to be finalized next week.
5: 110 in favor, no opposition. The bill had passed.
4: 58-year-old Israeli Foreign Minister Yair Lapid will head an interim government next week after the bill officially passes and until new elections are held. Lapid is the leader of the largest party in the eight-party coalition under Prime Minister Naftali Bennett. Our mission is to make sure these people don't take power and not to let them crush Israel's democracy. Lapid is the founder and the leader of the Yesh Atid party, which translates to there is a future. Before becoming foreign minister, he also served as finance minister under foreign prime minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who he is now trying to prevent from returning to power. Lapid has previously said that diplomacy regarding Palestinian statehood is necessary for Israel's well-being. But he argued that both sides are too domestically hamstrung to pursue them. We should be separated from the Palestinians.
5: I believe that, in separating from the Palestinians, we will ultimately arrive at two states. But
4: no responsible politician would get into details of future borders before the Trump plan is presented. Israeli lawmakers will decide the exact date of the parliamentary election. It will likely be between late September to early November.
0: Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman arrived in Turkey for the first time in years. He's there for talks with President Erdogan aimed at rebuilding the relationship between Turkey and Saudi Arabia. Here are the details.
10: The visit was aimed at fully normalizing ties between Ankara and Riyadh that were ruptured after a Saudi hit squad killed and dismembered Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi in 2018 at the Kingdom's consulate in Istanbul. Erdogan at the time blamed the killing on the highest levels of the Saudi government. Prince Mohammed denies any involvement in the murder. In April, the pair held one-on-one talks in Saudi Arabia after a month's long drive to mend relations. Ankara stopped all criticism and halted its murder trial in April transferring the case to Riyadh in a move condemned by human rights groups. The crown prince has been making effort to rehabilitate his image beyond the Gulf, leveraging Saudi Arabia's vast wealth and oil production capacity to lure in Western leaders and private business partners. The visit also comes as Turkey's economy is badly strained by a slumping lira and inflation soaring beyond 70%. Analysts say Saudi funds and foreign currency could help Erdogan shore up support ahead of elections by June 2023. Erdogan welcomed Prince Mohammed at the presidential palace in Ankara with a ceremony, and the two shook hands and embraced before being met by members of the Turkish cabinet. There were, however, no public statements scheduled for after their talks. Erdogan said last week he and Riyadh's de facto leader would discuss to what much higher level they can take ties during talks in Ankara.
0: Two Airbus A350s in Qatar's capital, worth around $300 million combined, are among 23 grounded A350s worldwide. The planes are at the center of a $1 billion London court battle. over whether damage to the aircraft represents a potential safety risk. It's something Airbus strongly denies. Entity's Andrew Thomas has the details.
7: Two high-tech Airbus A350 jets sit idle with their windows taped and engines covered in a hangar in the Gulf. From a distance, the planes might seem like any other long-haul jetliners but a visit by Reuters journalists showed what appeared to be evidence of damage to the surface of the wingtips, tail, and hull. Qatar's regulator grounded the planes after premature paint erosion exposed damage to a metallic sublayer that provides protection to the fuselage from lightning strikes. Other airlines continue to fly the A350 after European regulators declared the aircraft safe. Reuters found a stretch of blistered, cracked, or missing paint along the roof of the jets. In some areas, the protective lightning mesh that sits between the hull and the paint appeared exposed and corroded. In other parts, it appeared to be missing, leaving areas of the composite hull exposed to the elements. Airbus acknowledges quality flaws to the A350s, but denies they pose any safety risk because of the amount of backup systems and tolerance built into the plane's design. Qatar Airways argues this can't be confirmed without further analysis, and is refusing to take more of the planes. Airbus says that some paint erosion is a feature of the carbon-composite technology used to build all modern long-haul jets, a necessary trade-off for weight savings. It says the cracks are caused by the way paint, anti-lightning material called ECF, and the composite structure interact. According to Reuters, Airbus and Qatar Airways had no immediate comment. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Dozens of Fiat Chrysler Automobile workers in Serbia protested at a key motorway in Belgrade on Wednesday. They're angered by the company's plans for layoffs and the relocation of its Kragujevac factory. Fiat Chrysler Automobiles Serbia is a joint venture of Stellantis Group and the government of Serbia. The plant employs about 2,000 workers, but the company recently announced it will be temporarily shut down. Stellantis has announced plans to produce electric car models at that factory beginning in 2024. The workers, meanwhile, have been offered severance pay, but they said the deal wasn't good enough. They demand that the government help negotiate a better one. A union representative says the workers' main concern was to stay in the city and if it wasn't possible after the closure of the factory, then to be transferred into other local companies. The protest on Wednesday snarled traffic in the Serbian capital during a busy part of the day. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. Just ahead, El Salvador votes to extend the country's state of emergency for a third time. The measure has drawn criticism from human rights groups, but supporters see it as necessary to combat gang violence. A woman was rescued from an avalanche in Argentina. Rescuers conducted a seven-hour operation in the midst of a snowstorm. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD News. El Salvador extended its state of emergency for the third time. It's an effort to combat gang activity, but it's prompting criticism from human rights groups over the suspension of constitutional protections. The government first passed what was meant to be a 30-day measure in late March. That's after the Central American country's murder rate spiked. The state of emergency was extended once already. Lawmakers overwhelmingly voted to extend the measure for another month beginning June 25th. The extension passed with 67 votes in favor out of a possible 84. Multiple surveys show that 70 percent of Salvadorans support the government's current measures to reduce gang crime. In the three months since it began, security forces have arrested more than 41,000 people. That includes almost 1,200 minors for allegedly belonging to or collaborating with the gangs. El Salvador is building a new terrorism confining center to house detained gang members. Human rights groups say at least 18 people died in police custody by late May. Over one ton of cocaine was seized in a Peruvian valley that's known for its drug-producing activity. In three operations carried out this month, Peru's National Police seized 3,000 pounds of cocaine. The director of the anti-drug division of Peru's National Police said one of the operations was during a failed flight landing in a secret location. The missions took place in three different regions. On one occasion, armed agents opened fire on a drug lab seizing cocaine packs and two vehicles and detaining two suspects. A woman injured by an avalanche was successfully extracted by rescuers in Argentina. That's after a seven-hour rescue operation in the midst of a snowstorm. The woman was unable to walk and had to be pulled off the mountainside with the help of a sled attached to a stretcher. Civil defense authorities received an emergency call saying a woman had been lost as a result of an avalanche. Alerted by the situation, members of the aid commission from different institutions launched a meeting to establish the necessary resources and equipment to safely rescue the woman. After two hours of climbing, rescuers reached the skier and dragged the woman, who was immobilized in the stretcher, to safety. That's despite bitter weather and howling wind. Peruvian archaeologists have unearthed an ancient tomb with remains that could date back as far as the 5th century inside a home in Peru's capital. In May, the archaeologists disclosed the finding of human remains in an underground tomb. They say it was surrounded by silver and copper objects, which would suggest that it belonged to an elite family from the Inca period. The remarkable discovery was made during renovation work on a house in northeastern Lima. One homeowner said it was something he didn't expect. Archaeologists in the neighborhood say there could be more remains from the Inca period. Peru, home to tourist destination Machu Picchu, has hundreds of archaeological sites. They tell of cultures that developed before and after the Inca Empire, which dominated the southern part of South America 500 years ago. Coming up, Elvis-themed weddings can continue in Las Vegas after an agreement is reached over rights. Some Las Vegas chapels were worried they would go out of business. Trumpet the Bloodhound is the winner of the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. It's the first time a bloodhound has ever been selected as the top dog in the show. Stay tuned for more right after the short break. Elvis-themed weddings can continue in Las Vegas after an agreement was reached with the owner of the king's rights. You may kiss your bride, your bride.
12: Elvis-themed weddings look set to continue in Las Vegas after an agreement was reached with the late singer's estate. Last month, several venues were sent cease and desist letters by Authentic Brands Group, which owns the rights to Elvis, ordering them to stop using his likeness and images. Chad Collins and his wife Kayla own the Little Chapel of Hearts, a popular Elvis wedding spot.
2: I was heartbroken. I, I was unable to sleep. This is everything. This is my job. This is our family business, our livelihood. So without Elvis, we, we don't have a business.
12: The chapel took legal advice and embarked on a publicity blitz with local media. It says AVG then reached out to apologize for causing alarm. The Collinses have since entered into a contractual agreement, which involves paying an annual affordable fee to be able to continue.
1: It's a love-hate kind of thing with it, because I'm, I'm grateful that, that we're still able to, but at the same time, it's like, it, why do I have to pay to do what I do? Like it's
12: dumb. In a statement, ABG told Reuters the following. We are sorry that recent communication with a small number of Las Vegas-based chapels caused confusion and concern. That was never our intention we are working with the chapels to ensure that the usage of elvis's name image and likeness are in keeping with this legacy the news is also a welcome relief to many freelance impersonators who offer their services to the thousands of couples who visit las vegas each year jesse garran has been working as an elvis officiant for the past 36 years
3: i'm not qualified for anything else you know what i'm saying this is all i do so man we'd be out of job and and on the uh, unemployment line, if, uh, if they follow through. But thank God they did, man. They came to their senses.
12: The question over Here the potential go. success of any lawsuit against using Elvis's image is tough to answer, says lawyer Jonathan Fountain, who specializes in intellectual property cases.
2: The performance of an Elvis wedding with an impersonator dressed up like Elvis performing a wedding, there's probably a First Amendment fair use or parody defense to that. Uh, Also, under the Nevada Rights of Publicity statute, it exempts impersonators from liability. So I believe that there's a pretty strong defense to simply the performance of an Elvis wedding. But that's different than, say, using the name Elvis or Elvis Presley on a website to advertise wedding services. There you're talking about using a trademark. And I think ABG's got stronger claims there.
12: Las Vegas, known as the wedding capital of the world, sees more than 150 marriages a day. For Chilean bride and groom Nicholas and Daniela, Elvis was the main draw. He's
10: the king, is the most famous singer around the world, so for that reason we decided to. Elvis
1: is Las Vegas. To,
10: yeah, and also Elvis is Vegas. Viva Las
3: Vegas!
0: Three generations of Elvis Presley's family had their names and handprints cemented in Hollywood in a special ceremony at the TCL Chinese Theater. Presley's wife, Priscilla, his daughter, Lisa Marie, and two of his granddaughters were in attendance. That's in addition to the director, Baz Luhrmann, and star, Austin Butler, of the King's upcoming biopic. After the ceremony, Priscilla Presley gave her perspective on what Elvis himself would have thought of the ceremony.
1: I think he'd be very endeared by it. My gosh, three generations and uh, really, really beautiful, really beautiful. It's an
0: honor for us. The upcoming film Elvis takes audiences on a journey from Presley's childhood to his demise while working a residency in Las Vegas. The whole time, he's played by Austin Butler. The film Elvis will be released in the United States on June 24th. We all deal with stress on a daily basis. It could relate to relationship problems, personal crises, health or finances. No matter the situation, our mindset can affect our experience. Here's Gina Marie on Letting Go with Strong Mind and Body.
13: Stress has a strong effect on us. It can make us less happy, less effective, less open-hearted in our relationships. It tires us out, makes us less healthy, and can even create mental health issues. So let's look at how to let go of stress. Let's say you are experiencing a moment of stress right now. Something isn't going the way you'd like. Things are chaotic or overwhelming. Someone isn't acting the way you'd like, or you're worried about something coming up. The first practice is to drop into your body and notice how the stress feels. It's not a problem to have stress in your body. It's just a physical sensation. You can observe the physical sensation. Just be with it. This can be your whole practice and it only has to take a few moments. The second practice is to notice your narrative about the situation. You have some ideal about how the world should be, how the other person should be, or how you should be. And the world, the person or you are not meeting that ideal. Notice what you are saying to yourself about it. They shouldn't act like that. I don't like this. I'm such a screw up and not worthy of love. Is this a familiar narrative? Notice that the ideal and the narrative are causing the effects of stress, anxiety, and fear. They aren't serving you very well. The good news is if you created it, you can also let it go as well. The third practice is to just let go and be. What would it be like to be in this moment without the ideal and the narrative? You'd be at peace. You'd be present in this moment. You'd be free this is a state of openness that you can drop into anytime notice the other people in your life and their beautiful hearts notice how amazing it is to be alive right now what a gift it is to have sight hearing taste and a body what a privilege what a joy even in moments of chaos you can be free
0: A bloodhound named Trumpet wins the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. It marks the first time the breed has ever sneered Dogdom's most coveted Best in Show prize. Trumpet beat a French Bulldog, a German Shepherd, a Maltese, an English Setter, and a Samoyed, and a Lakeland Terrier to take the trophy. The dog's handler says she was shocked. She said the competition was stiff and bloodhounds are underdogs. After his victory, Trumpet posed for countless photos. Then he got back to what bloodhounds do best, sniffing around. Winston, a French Bulldog co-owned by NFL defensive lineman Morgan Fox, took second place. Fox got Winston from his grandmother. She has bred and shown French Bulldogs for years. Winston went into Westminster as the top-ranked dog in the country. The competition drew more than 3,000 purebred dogs. The goal is to crown the dog that most represents the ideal for its breed. Even for hopefuls that didn't come away with a ribbon, the event was an opportunity to showcase dogs and all they do. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to put our email address on screen. We'd love to hear from you. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.